Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to episode 87 of the Deep Drive podcast. Uh, we're recording right after the conclusion of the WBC, so uh, plenty of really exciting baseball that we got to watch. Um, but in this video, we're really focusing on the DH position, which is a very tough position to rank because it's very top-heavy one and two. You know, what exactly is a DH for every team? You know, there are certain guys who are stuck into the position or locked into the position, and then other guys who just kind of rotate in and out of it. Um, I feel like this is the one position that on a year-to-year basis, you know, you could you could say – is either stacked or just not good enough to even find 10 guys. Um, you know, but with that being said, um, I, I'm, let's just get right into this list. So uh, we got, we're starting off with what honorable mentions. I don't even know if we have honorable mentions for this. Do we? Yeah. I mean, we have two guys who are three guys who got votes who are not on the list in Salvador Perez, Juan Yepes and Matt Carpenter. Um, I don't think any of those guys are really worthy of a mention. I think this is, like you said, one of those years where it kind of feels like there's too many guys. Uh, there's too many spots and not enough guys, right? Like, um, you know, we're talking about number 10 here. We have Trey Mancini from the Cubs. Like, I don't know if we're – like, Trey Mancini is not a good enough baseball player to be a top 10 player in his position. But, I mean, the position is just so, you know, bad. Yeah, and I I know that I I'm maybe I read I I um I don't know if this is like bad data or like a misread on Statcast, but I'm pretty sure he had like the hardest hit ball for like in like his last three seasons or something like that with the Cubs in spring training. So at least that's encouraging. Um, but it's just the offense for him hasn't really been consistent over the last few years. So I feel like it's he's more of like a big home run, big RBI guy with a poor WRC plus, which like so like on a fantasy basis maybe he's an attractive player to pick up, but on a like you know WRC plus like per rate base, I feel like this the bat is enough for me to be happy with the DH position but maybe he can pick something maybe you know harder hit balls in spring training are going to correlate to some more success you know I don't know yeah I mean like I feel like we're just kind of grasping for air here at the bottom of this list coming in at number nine we have Justin Turner who used to be a superstar but now he's you know kind of just like a modest average baseball player which is fine you know not nothing wrong with him but just you know there's not much to talk about here Justin Turner you know, he could have a bounce back year, maybe like it's possible. Right. But, you know, he's in Boston now for the um, this is first year in Boston. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe the, the ballpark, that's a weird ballpark. So it could help him, could hurt him. I'm not sure. I no idea. Like, I, I mean, I feel like once we get to the top of this list, it'll be a lot more interesting to talk about. Yeah, you know, Boston's weird because, like, I think it has a better run uh, st- per stat cast. It's a better, like, run factor for right-handed hitters than L.A., but L.A. has a better home run factor for right-handed hitters because of the uh, the difference in uh, the, the green monster kind of, it, like, it gives. It yeah, it helps, it helps you get hits, but it hurts you getting homers. Right, and, you know, we saw a drop-off in power uh, in terms of the home run department for Turner. Um, you know, he's still someone who was a good hitter last year, but you know, 123 WRC plus from your third baseman is different than 123 WRC plus from your DH. And it's not like it's, you're projecting that number to get better, right? You, you know, it's, he's, he's a little bit older. Um, you know, it, it's not like he went from a bad ballpark for Ryan hitters to a good one. Um, and of course, you know, maybe more DH reps will help him stay healthier. Um, but um, I, I don't think he's a bad player by any means. I don't think he's like a bad sign. I think he's like kind of a good embodiment of what the Red Sox are this year, which is a lot of like, you know, could go very well, could go very wrong, you know, a lot of variance there, but I think nine's a good spot for him on this list. Yeah. 
Uh, coming in at number eight, we have Mitch Garver of the Texas Rangers, who was a top five catcher in baseball, you know, only a couple of years removed from that. And here's where we start getting into guys who I think have more upside, right? Like I, I could see a world where Garver, you know, has another 140, 150 WRC plus season as a DH. Um, obviously Jonah Heim is their catcher, but I think Garver will definitely get a lot of ABs, a lot of reps there. So, you know, well, it, it remains to be seen exactly, you know, what he is. I feel like Garver is one of those guys where you could tell me that everything he did in his career was a complete fluke. That was like, you know, everything that was great he did was a fluke. He really only had like one outstanding year, right, in 2019 and then just had an awful season in 2020. And it's been kind of, you know, iffy since then. He doesn't play much. He's gotten hurt. He's never played over 100. The most he's played in his career is 103 games in 2018. Even the even the year we were talking about where like he slugged 630 and had a 155 WC plus. He only played 93 games that year which obviously as a catcher isn't a huge deal, but as a DH, you'd expect him to play more, but even then he hasn't. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like Garver is a guy who were, who will probably be out of the league in a couple, in two years. Yeah. Garver could be out of the league in two years or like, you know, be, I mean, he could get traded at the deadline and be like a serious, like huge offensive acquisition for a team. Um, You know, it's weird because at some point he was like that, like really cool, like really good, like really cool, like, analytical pick to be like a top three or four catcher at some point and you're like you know look at this guy he's become better at framing and as you mentioned the offensive production he's a year removed from being an elite hitter but again smaller sample size you also have to understand that if you you know if you play more it's probably you're you're, you know you're probably not going to be able to run into those insane you know godly stretches as often and those kind of get balanced out a little bit more uh, by cold streaks I think with Turner and Garver I'm taking the upside with Garver here I feel like there's that you know, that outcome of a 135, 140 WRC plus, 120 to 130 games played, just an absolute shit ton of home runs. Um, and not saying Turner, I don't know if that's still in Turner uh, at this point in his career. So that's kind of why I cited Garver here. But I could see if someone prefers the floor, I, I would take Turner. Uh, but, you know, I think that these two guys are pretty uh, interchangeable. Yeah, I, I think I would give the edge to Garver by a little bit like I think the age for Turner is starting to become a real concern he's what like 37 38 now um but yeah I mean like they're pretty similar hitters and I think kind of the bottom of this list I wouldn't really be surprised if anyone is you know changes with anything anyone else Juan Yepes I think is a guy who's just an honorable mention here but I would not be shocked if he was like a top five DH in baseball next year um coming in at number seven we have Daniel Vogelback of the Mets they got him last year, him and Darren Ruff at the deadline to make a like ultra platoon at DH and it just blew up in their face. Um, but Vogelback was not the reason it blew up in their face. Uh, it was Darren Ruff, who's um, I think known for reasons that are kind of funny. But um, yeah, Vogelback had a good year last year. He had a 144 WRC plus in New York. Um, he's obviously back with the Mets this year. I, I think with Vogelback, you kind of know what you're getting, right? Like you're getting a good bat, but not a great one. And then just absolutely nothing else. Can't run, can't field, but he can hit a little bit. So, and he'll hit some homers like 450 feet. So I guess there's like the cool factor to him too. Yeah. uh, The plate discipline is really good. As you mentioned, the power is really good. He's also the guy on this list who is not like at an age where you're like worried about serious regression, um, you know, or doesn't have like an extensive his- injury history. He hasn't played a lot of games in his career, uh, but you feel like you can kind of pencil him in to play enough games that he put up the production you're looking for. 
Um, you know, uh, it's weird because Vogelback is like, as you mentioned, he's like the uh, he's the strong side platoon as a lefty, uh, and Ruff kind of blew up in their plate face. You know, Ruff. Uh, I mean, I I think we're like what a year removed from Ruff kind of being in this conversation. It's like, hey, he's a really good platoon option for a DH spot, um, and Vogelback's kind of taking that over. So, I mean, this, we're still at the part of the list where it's like, you know, I don't really care how you rank these guys, <laughs> um, and I think Vogelback's. He's just not as old as the guys behind him. So that's kind of why I put him, we, we, we put him at this spot of the list. Yeah. Um, coming in at number six, we have JD Martinez of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I think the difference between seven and six is by far the biggest difference on this list. Maybe like up top, you have big ones, but like just like separates the good from the bad, really. Uh, Martinez is. An elite hitter, and even though he wasn't amazing last year, didn't have a great year. I, like I just still trust the bat, even at thirty five, um, that he can put up a one twenty to one twenty five diversity plus. I don't really care like that. His WAR is going to be low. Like it's he's never going to put up the seasons that he was putting up, you know, in Boston in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, when you know when he was one of the best hitters in the league. But I still think he's you know a, a definitely a quality bat to have in your lineup and you can kind of pencil him in for a 125 WRC plus. Yeah. Um, I think JD Martinez is JD Martinez is interesting because I don't think I'm as high on him as you are because you know, the last, the last two years haven't been elite elite. Um, but I do think that he might be someone who benefits from not having to play, um, at, at Fenway, which is weird. Um, you know, he's someone who really likes hitting. He doesn't hit like a shit ton of fly balls. He's more of a line drive guy. Um, and I feel like pulling your line drives at Boston is worse than pulling your fly balls, um, you know, uh, especially for how that ballpark plays. Perhaps L.A. gives him more home runs, and that's kind of what you're really chasing here. Um, I think J.D. Martinez is someone that, you know, he only hit 16 home runs last year. I think that number is going to – you're going to see an uptick in that number. Um, I know that some Red Sox fans are going to be happy that he's ahead of Turner. Um, but the way I look at it is that I think Martinez has a little bit of a higher ceiling. He's a little bit younger. Uh, not a little bit. He's about three years younger. Um, I think the ballpark fit is better for him. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's, we're talking about DH here. Like it, Turner, if Turner, you told me was like playing third base, like who, who would I rather have on my team? If I needed, like, if I was just drafting a team for one year, I might consider Turner over Martinez just cause I know he can play some third base. Uh, Martinez can also play some outfield. So I guess that I don't really know, but Mar third base is a more valuable position, but it's like Turner's a great defender out there. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I know you said you would separate seven and six by a lot. I don't think I would. Uh, personally, I, I think it's we're st I'm still kind of in that same tier in my brain. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, JD Martinez has a very elite pedigree, and I don't think next year is going to be too bad for him. Yeah, and I think even if you don't separate, you know, seven and six, I think you kind of have to separate six and five, right? Um, with William Contreras coming in at number five for the Brewers, here's a we're getting the first young guy on this list. We're getting the first, you know, intriguing player on this list who I think has a lot of upside. Um, and obviously last year he just burst out on the scene, 140 WRC plus there, that's rounded, but whatever. Uh, Seamer projects him 112. If he catches, he'll be worth a lot more value than anyone like below him. If he doesn't, he'll probably be about the same, maybe like two, two and a half, three wins. I expect him to play a lot of games. He'll get a lot of reps because the, the Brewers don't have very many weapons on offense. So I like this fit a lot for him. And I think that, I think that he'll do a great job for the Brewers. And I think that they made the right move by, um, you know, getting him when Atlanta didn't need him when they got Murphy. I think I think the Brewers are a perfect fit for William Contreras, and I would expect a great year up from him next year. 
Yeah, um, he has elite raw power, and I think, you know, projections have his bat pip falling hard. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think the bat pip's going to stay pretty high. He hits the ball so hard that you're going to ex- expect him to be a guy with a bat pip well above 300. Um, you know, he whiffs a lot, but again, you don't really care. He walks a good amount, and he has crazy power. Um, I think, as you mentioned, that's like a perfect fit for what Milwaukee needed. They don't have a lot of power in that lineup. He's probably the best hitter. Um, yeah, he's young. He's got upside. Um, even if he's a 125 to 130 WRC plus next, hitter next year, um, I think that's a lot safer than what the other guys below him are. Um, but that's, that, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see whether Contreras is a guy who can maintain what he did last year, is taking a step from, back from what he did last year, or even somehow progresses from last year. And I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't use the word somehow there. I think it's possible. I, I mean, I don't know what the ceiling is for Contreras. Like, Obviously, we know he has just elite power, right? And it seemed like like his plate discipline wasn't awful. He strikes out a lot, but he also walks a lot. So um, he had a really high BABIP, which is a little concerning. But he also has run really high BABIPs throughout his career. Even the minors, he had 358, 321, 336, 351. So it's not like, you know, anything crazy, right? To expect him to put up another near 300, three, you know, 344 is a little high, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was, you know, close to that once again. Yeah, I don't really um, disagree with you here. Coming in at number four, we have John Carlos Stanton of the Yankees. He just four across the board. Everyone had him at number four. Um, and I think that's the perfect spot for him. He's he's out of all the guys on this list, like you I think you can separate like if you were gonna tear them off, I'd go you know, the top four are one group, right? And then, you know, Contreras and Martinez are another group and then everyone else. I think, like, Stanton is firmly up there with the elite DHs. He's coming off of a down year, but his BAPIP was down 100 points. It was, like, his by far the worst BAPIP of his career. And yeah, it's a, like, the, that's 100 points. His batting average was down, like, you know, 50 points from his career average. I would take everything he did last year with a grain of salt. Right. And, you know, I will say this, though, Um, you know, obviously health is a factor for him. You know, you're you're concerned about how many games he's going to give you. But I feel like a lot of guys on these lists on this list, you know, don't have a lot of, you know, games played in a season or ha- don't have a very high uh, chance of playing all of their games. Um, You know, I, I view it as John Carlos Stanton is, you know, projections love him, which is something that you should note, because typically guys coming off of injury and in their 30s are not. Think, you know, those are things that projections do not typically love. Um, he has generational raw power. I think, as you mentioned, four is a perfect spot for him. I think he's very clearly like this is very clearly where he should be. I don't think that, you know, and you could argue anyone below him is better than he is. And I don't think you can argue anyone ahead of him is worse than he is. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. I think coming into next year, we have Bryce Harper at number three. And I mean, Harper's going to miss half the year already. So, um, you know, if we're ranking just 2023, you might want to slot stand ahead of him. I still think Harper's probably better than, you know, Contreras and Martinez and Vogelback and all them because, you know, of who Bryce Harper is. Like, we're talking about a two-time MVP. We're talking about a future Hall of Famer, a guy who's not a DH but will be next year because of his injury. Um, But, I mean, like, Bryce Harper is a, is a superstar. We're getting into the tier here. These three guys are, like, perennial MVP candidates, right? Um, and then one of them's a perennial MVP favorite, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, Harper won seven over C plus 2021 when he won the MVP. 
Um, and then last year, he had another good year while he played at 140 WRC plus a 2.5 war. I just, you know, he's only going to play, what, 70-ish, if even 60, 70 games next year. Um, the Phillies will be great. He'll get a chance in the playoffs again, I'm sure. But um, at least for the regular season, it's tough to rank him because I don't want to take away from him because of his injury, but I feel like you kind of have to. But then at the same time, I just, I didn't. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, um, I'm going to double check this fact because I'm like 95% sure it's true. But despite playing about 99, no, exactly 99 games last year, I think he has the highest war amongst any player we've listed so far for the 2022 season. Maybe William Contreras. No, not, I don't think William Contreras got to two point. Uh, but maybe I could be wrong because I know he caught a little bit. Um, But Harper, as you mentioned, he's just like. He's only three on a DH list because, as you mentioned, he is going to miss half the season. We made this list after we knew that. So, Well, also, uh, the two guys ahead of him would be ahead of him anyways. Uh, well, I'm saying specifically on a DH list. He would not be on a DH list if not. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Also, one and Contreras two, are, two better, are just better players. Right. Contreras was at 2.4, which is – okay, so that's tied with Harper. So, hit, Harper played 99 games last year and still, like, he would be, I think, tied for – he would still be, like – fourth on this list or third on this list in f 2022 f4 so um you know and last year was kind of a down year for him right he i don't i don't i think it was either he started off slow or he he slowed down during the year but it was not a normal bryce harper year um i think you can get that wrc plus up if he gives you a 140 wrc plus and you know he's gonna give you 70 games and then play in the postseason sure the war is gonna look beautiful but you're gonna take that over everyone below him on this list you're not even gonna think about it because you just, you know, the Phillies are a team that have playoff aspirations. You want Harper for 70 games in the postseason more than you want Harper for 70 games and not knowing about his postseason status. So um, I don't think there's not much I have to say. It's Bryce fucking Harper. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with everything you said there. So coming in at number two, we have Shohei Otani of the Angels, who, by the way, is the best player in baseball, just not the best designated hitter in baseball because, you know, he also pitches, but... Um, I, we're ranking here solely off of the bat, right? Um, and his bat is among the best in the league. He nearly led the league in homers a couple of years ago when he won the MVP last year. He um, took a slight step back with the bat, but not by much. Um, and, you know, he's put up 8.8 war as a designated hitter over the last two years, just with the bat, no, like nothing on the mound. And he's projected another 3.5 next year. I think that's probably a little low. Um, you know, the real question with Otani coming in to like the last couple of years before he broke out like this, and even then it wasn't really a breakout, but before he had these two like massive seasons, like MVP caliber seasons was whether or not he could stay healthy. And now it doesn't really seem like that's an issue. He played 158 games two years ago, 157 last year. Um, that's two, like those aren't just full seasons. Those are like every single game type seasons. Um, and now with the rule change where he can pitch and then DH for the rest of the game, he'll get his 670 plate appearances, 700 plate appearances. And we're talking about a full body of work as a pitcher and a full body of work as a hitter um, with Otani. And then as a hitter, he's got, I think, I mean, some of the best raw power we've ever seen and elite speed, elite, um, elite hit uh, power. And then like a, a above average hit tool. Like he's, Basically a perfect hitter. Yeah, so I actually just started a timer. I'm giving myself at most one minute to, to talk about Otani because I know I could ramble about him forever. 
as you mentioned, Otani, I mean, everything about Otani offensively, he has like John Carlos Stanton like power. Um, he walks at above average clip. He actually cut down his strikeout rate a lot. It was his lowest strikeout rate at any uh point of any uh, at, at any uh season he had at the major league level. Um, he has ridiculous power. Um, I mean He's a really good base runner. Um, he's been a above average base runner uh, every year of his career. Last year was a down year for the stolen base numbers, but I think bigger bases will give him a, more of a green light. Um, if you are someone who looked at the WBC, who looked at last year, who looked at the year before that, and says, you know, people are just people are just really meat riding this Otani guy. You're a fucking loser. Otani's the best player in baseball. Otani's probably the most talented player I've ever watched in any sport in my entire life. He he's he's on a per rate basis, the most talented baseball player to ever fucking play the sport. Uh, he's only, as you mentioned, he's only not one of those because we only factor in the bat. Otani, I mean, he's special. All right. And then coming in at number one, we have Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros. This is like slam dunk, easy pick um, for Alvarez. He's probably like probably the best hitter in baseball. Maybe him, maybe Trout. Um, just best pure hitter in baseball. Um, last year, 185 WRC plus just when we thought like, oh, maybe he's coming down a little bit. He had, you know, 137 the year before after 177 in his rookie season. And then boom, here we are a 185 WRC plus in a year where he underperformed his ex by 35 points. He, I, I will repeat that he hit a 185 WRC plus and underperformed his ex by 35 points. And had a 6.6 war as his designated hitter. He's probably going to play left field next year, I think. I think we fucked this up, too. I'm going to blame Jack. But, um, uh, like, there's not really much else to say with Alvarez. He's going to he's gonna put up a 6.5 win season as a designated hitter or a 7.5 win season as a left fielder. Yeah, um, I, I think the best way to describe him, he's a cold-blooded killer, man. I feel like there's just, like, I think there's certain baseball players that they have that cold-blooded killer aspect to them. And that's Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez steps to the plate. He's a physically intimidating player. He's 6'5 and just a fucking mammoth of a man. Um, and he can hit a baseball 160 miles an hour. And oh yeah, he strikes out under 20% of the time. And he also has ridiculously good play discipline. He's gonna walk a lot. He's gonna he I'm surprised he doesn't have a 40 home run season yet. And I, I feel like it's only because of the game's played. He you mentioned a six point. 0.6 war. Yeah, he did as a DH and he played 135 games and did that. Is health a concern? Sure. But if he can play 150 games, and as you mentioned, he's going to he's gonna definitely play more left field even at, and at, at the very least. I think he'd probably be a primary left fielder. Um, but, I mean, good God. This dude is a... This dude is one of the best hitters I've gotten to, like, appreciate. Uh, you know, I, because... I, I, I Obviously, like, we grow up watching baseball. I feel like you don't really understand baseball until you're at a certain age. Um... Oh, I mean, he's just special, man. This is yeah. I think the only hitter we've seen who's actually like better than him, like as in our lifetimes, is Mike Trout. Right, and you know, Judge has the more had the more impressive twenty twenty two season. Yes, but I think there's one big distinct thing here, right? Judge had this crazy twenty twenty two year at his age thirty season, right? There is a there is some sort of um. There, we can definitely say that more time at the plate, more time to mature at the major league level gives you an opportunity to, to correct things. We've seen Alvarez correct his plate discipline. What's to say that that 200 WRC plus season isn't there for him? I feel like the next guy that you, that you can reasonably predict to do that is, is Jordan Alvarez. Like if, oh, yeah, Him or Juan Soto. Right. It's like, But I feel like with Soto, like the, the stock for Soto coming off 2022 is down. The stock for Alvarez could not be any higher than it is right now, if you get what I'm saying. So I right. feel like... We're, I don't think we're overreacting here. I feel like, you know, some people overreact to single seasons, but we're not overreacting. I think this is legitimately just, like, there are so many tangible things that he improved 
Um, I was someone who was kind of down on him in 2021. Um, and statistically what 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 do i have to argue against here what what am i going to say like oh he's bad at what you know what i mean there's nothing he does poorly offensively so um more than deserving of this honor yeah i mean i think that could, i think we can wrap up the, like the list portion of this now um before i mean let's just talk about it. the the world baseball classic was electric right it was i maybe it's recency bias but i think that rivaled the world series I don't think I've ever watched a single better tournament in my life. I've for baseball. Now I can't speak to March Madness. I can't speak to any of that stuff. I I'm not the most well versed with college football and all that stuff. But for even I will say you know NFL playoffs, NBA playoffs. I've never watched a playoff tournament among those leagues as good as the World Baseball Classic. That Japan Mexico game is a all time great game. The game, even the the the, the final, right? The final. It kind of feels underwhelming because it came the day after that Japan-Mexico game, but that game was incredible. There were so many big moments in that game. Um, getting to see Otani face Trout. You know, I, it, I, my team, the, the Mini Republic, got fucking embarrassed in pool play. Um, but, I, I mean, how am I going to sit here and say that Puerto Rico game was not electric, right? That Christian Vasquez home run was insane. I've never seen Miami, that, that stadium, look like that in my life. Um, Venezuela, well, that's also because the Marlins. Right, but it, it, that place was rocking, man. Venezuela, the one run they went on. And that, that game with the U.S., the Trey Turner Grand Slam. There were so many incredible moments. Australia shocking everyone and getting out of pool play. Um, that the, You know, a lot of people didn't get to see the Italian team because they played at times that, you know, uh, if you're in the U.S., you probably weren't up for that. But they've had some pretty fun games as well. You know, they had some very memorable moments. The Chinese Taipei, uh, you know, uh, dude, some fucking incredible moments. I mean, baseball has – I don't think baseball – I think baseball needed this. I think baseball needed an event like this. You know, you just have all your stars playing. I think they needed a, a, a Trout-Oltani matchup was great. I think they had everything that could possibly go right, go right for them. This was a perfect tournament. This was a perfect tournament. I I, I think that this does so much good for baseball. And if you think it's a meaningless tournament, you know, obviously, you know, the KFC Barstool tweets are very well documented. Everyone's been clowning on him. <laughs> They're kind of um, funny. At this point, he's smart for keep to keep tweeting about it because he's gonna keep. Well, it's it's him. actually it's actually amazing what they're doing. I'm not I'm not trying to give him credit for saying the things he said, but it is like they started it and then the Barstool baseball account and went and disagreed with it, and then they were just gen like they were just generating so much buzz around him and them arguing with each other, right. even though they work for the same company. Like they well, had Carabas doesn't work with Barstool anymore, but it it, it, it wasn't was him. It was the um. It was the, like the actual Barcelona. Oh, right, account, the actual kept, account, right. Which used to be the starting nine account, but then they like I, I don't know what's going on there, but all I know is that um they were going back and forth with him and then and then he went in like that he got in a huge argument with um who was it? A, a couple of people. I don't know. I like the whole meaningless games thing, like I, I get that these Mets fans are mad. Like I understand why Mets fans are mad, right? because you just lost your closer for the entire season, but you can't blame the tournament for that. Like Diaz was, it's not like, it's not anyone's fault. He got injured, right? It's not the tournament's fault. It's not, you know, the Mets fault for letting him play. It's not Puerto Rico's fault for letting him play. It's not Diaz's fault for celebrating winning. Like it's just an accident that happened in, in the tournament. And you can't take away from that because of it. I think that's right. especially given like the level of baseball played in that tournament was higher. It was a higher level of baseball than any major league regular season game. Yeah. I, I think we, we also I mean, got, that, see- we got like, we saw 
uh, sorry to interrupt you, no, but we saw gone. multiple all-star teams. The Dominican Republic is an all-star team. Puerto Rico has an all-star team. Venezuela, Japan, man. Venezuela is like Venezuela didn't have either of the Contreras brothers who are both Venezuelan. And I, I don't know why they didn't, but I think they like you add those two to that team and they probably would have beaten the U.S. Although that that O2 pitch to Turner was probably the worst pitch I've ever seen in my life. They, like he threw he threw like an 86 mile per hour change up right down the middle on an O2 count. I, whatever. I, as you mentioned too, you know, the, the level of start time that and dude, the, the Japanese pitching staff, that wasn't they weren't just good. They weren't just a good pitching staff. That pitching staff is fucking stacked. They could pull a guy that they can pull guys out of anywhere that have a 95 mile an hour fastball and per, with 18 inches of induced vertical break and then a splitter that drops off the table and that's elite vertical separation and get a bunch of swings and misses. Like they are so loaded. Um, you know, the, the U.S., I mean, yes, their pitching wasn't, you know, starting pitching wasn't great, but the, the lineup, man, I mean, good God, dude. They they had Pete Alonso on the bench for this fucking game. You know what I mean? Um, Venezuelan, their lineup, you know, their that was their lineup was really damn good. Uh, Mexico, Randy Rosarena. Randy Rosarena, man. Okay, at this point, it's not just like a fluke thing, right? The, the, the playoff runs are not a fluke thing at this point. He's just, he's just a big-time player. Like, any big time environment, this dude's the best, like the best player on the planet. Like I, I don't even know how to describe. Him. He's so fun. He's fun. Um, yeah, I saw you get into it with. Yeah, I got, I got into it because I said he's a below average player and brace runner, which he is. He is objectively speaking, he is a great postseason performer. But he's, he's still both of those things. Um, I'm trying to think what other, um, what other players. I'm definitely. Oh my gosh, he plays for the Red Sox. The the first base he played for uh, Taiwan, um, or Chinese Taipei. Yes, yes, dude. That home run, that Grand Slam, I think it was that he hit. Good God, I like that stadium was rocking, man. That stadium was rocking. Yeah, they just... love baseball in Taiwan. Oh yeah, I had I had no idea. Like I didn't know it was such a big deal. Cause like I think you only really, at least for me, I've really only come to realize that countries like that have you know significant MLB talent care about the sport right because like you you see teams like um you know for example the you know the korean team has has plenty of major league talent on it right like we've seen korean guys in in the majors put up big numbers like uh like hyunjin ryu or um who's the or g-man Choi. i'm there's there's better players that i'm not thinking of but um with with taiwan it was interesting to watch them because that that stadium was going crazy the whole game. Um, and then like the Netherlands was fun at the beginning of the tournament when they, when they beat Cuba and then, um, and then they beat, I think Italy, but then they lost to Taiwan. I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly what happened, but those were fun games, like just all around, just a great tournament, um, which culminated in two of the best baseball games I've ever watched the last two nights. Yeah. I, I feel like end of the day, like, this event, I feel like, is only going to get more ma- – like, one big thing that is going to need to change in 2026 – or not change, but, like, improve more U.S. pitchers need to get involved. Um, I think getting more U.S. pitchers involved is just going to make this tournament so much better. Um, you know, teams have to be – not that teams have to be more lax because I, you're protecting your investments. You're protecting investments. I, I 100% understand why teams are, like, nervous about sending their pitchers over. I just want to see – I want to see – I don't want to see – it's interesting to me that the, that the major league pitchers – like, major league teams have – 
sorry, American pitchers had such a big issue with this, but like Sandy Alcantara was pitching for the Dominican Republic and Julio Urias was pitching yeah. for Mexico and Shohei Otani wanted to pitch is pitching and- for uh the Angels. Uh, not for the Angels, for the for Japan and the Angels let him and the Marlins let him and the Dodgers let him. So what what's confusing to me is like the Kershaw thing. He didn't have any surgical like they didn't have the Dodgers. So there were certain things that you could do if you were on the, the IL on the last like certain stretch of the season. Where you had surgery, like the team could block you. What what goddamn reason could the guard did the Guardians have for blocking Emmanuel Clausari or the Dodgers with the with the Kershaw thing where he had an insurance issue and that's why he couldn't pitch? Are you serious, man? Like if they cleared him. If DR, if the, did not DR, if the, if the Dodgers are fine with it, if he wants to do it, why am I not? Like, I'm ne- probably never going to see Clayton Kershaw pitch in WBC. Could, Clayton Kershaw in the World Baseball Classic would have been fucking awesome, man. No offense to Adam Wainwright. No one wants to see him pitch in the World Baseball Classic. Literally, like, no one. Or Kyle Freeland. No disrespect to Kyle Freeland. Do you want to see Kyle no, Freeland? Full disrespect to. I just I don't know Kyle Freeland. Freeland. I don't know Kyle Freeland. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diss him like that. But well, not like personally. I'm just saying, it's like, not pretty. Like this stinks. Like he I just stinks. At, if we're talking about like major league talent, right? Like Kyle Freeland is not. He's nothing special. Like he's he's a quad A player, right? Right. Um, and and he's he's the guy. And Merrill Kelly, those are the two guys we have for the U.S. when we're facing a Japanese team. Who's got you know Darvish and Otani, who they didn't even start by the way. By the way, Japanese uh, the Japanese manager, um, what's his name? It's uh, it's I I don't know his name, but um, some is it Hideki Kuriyama? I think Kuriyama. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, Hideki Kuriyama, just like absolute masterclass the last two nights. Um, the pinchering decision was incredible. I questioned why Otani wasn't hitting second though. That's the one thing. But I, I, I guess they play a different style of baseball. It's not, it's a different style of baseball. They, they are. Yeah, a little it's bit just more. an entirely different game. It feels like the one thing I also say is just like, like for example, even the Mexico Japan, like it was Roki Sasaki versus Patrick Sandoval. Patrick Sandoval is not a household name, sure, but he's a really good pitcher. You know what I mean? Like that's that was. And he, a really and he good will game. be. I think. I, I think he will be. I, I um, yeah, but like my point is more so like we got to see Yamamoto, Sasaki, um, Sandoval, and Urquidy all pitch in the same game. Now Urquidy is obviously the worst pitcher in that group, but like he's still a pitcher on the Houston Nationals who's had some success at the major league level. Like, I mean, he's point, a guy who was pitching in the World Series last year. Right. It, it's like you know, I get to see like, dude, I get to see dudes who like I want to see. You know what I mean? Like, I get to do, see dudes who are like, okay, if you say that that's um your country's best, like that, there's no shame in that. When you're when you're saying this is my country's best and you're the United States and it's Cal fucking Freeland, it's not fun to watch, right? Yeah, like um, if you're Mexico and you're and you're saying like here I have, you know, um, Patrick Sandoval and um, Julio uh, Arias are my two best pitchers. Like that, there's nothing to be ashamed of there, right? Or even but like if, Martin Perez, like Venezuela had Perez and Lopez. I, I think that's more than which fun. I think I think it's awful that Perez started that game against the I US, do too it should have been it should have been Lopez but my point is like or Garcia or they were using else, Garcia or, as a or Erod or anyone maybe not Erod but my point more so is like you can a lot of these countries that where you would consider lesser than the U.S. at baseball um had those like formidable like hey we have this guy this is our guy like or we have another we have two guys at least that are good pitchers we can trust them right like Perez I know he melted down against us but he pitched really well against DR so um 
I, I got to give them props there. But it's like, you know, Japan, they had Sasaki, Yamamoto, Darvish, Otani. I mean, they were just like an exception. They had like unbelievable starting pitching. But I mean, yeah, Cuba, like we, we were talking about this before the tournament where we were like, like this team has better pitching than everyone else. Everyone else. And, I, I mean, it might be the best pitching staff. Like ever assembled, yeah. Ever assembled. I don't disagree. You're not gonna. I mean, we're looking at guys here who are. I think you could probably argue that there are three top twenty pitchers in the entire world on that pitching staff. Yeah, Otani, Sasaki, or Yamamoto. And Darvish. Yeah, Yamamoto, and is Yamamoto like not a better pitcher than Sasaki at this like right now? I, I don't know. Like, it's tough for me to say that because like I have really no idea. Like outside of outpitched him in japan so far but that's like we're going like if you're we're kind of projecting a little bit here um i imagine and sasaki is clearly yeah but like there were there were like legit mlb scouts apparently saying that um sasaki like some people think he's could be you know one of the best pitchers in the world if not oh, no. the best pitcher in the world right no, no, now. i was saying um i was saying like uh if we're projecting a little bit here like I think ranking Sasaki ahead of Yamamoto isn't like, a, even though Yamamoto's outpitched in the last two years, isn't like a dumb idea at all because Sasaki's fucking 21. Um, and also, yeah, on top but of like that, you say that, but Yamamoto's 23. So it's really not like it's. Right. No, no, no. But it's 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 more so just the experience. Like Sasaki has what, two or three years at, at the MPB and, Sasaki, and Yamamoto's already about to get posted. Um, so, like, I don't know. Like that, dude, that, like those are four guys. Like I, I said this, I've said this before, not on this podcast, but I've said this like, before Yamamoto and Sasaki, if any MLB team could, if any MLB like expansion team started out and and those were their top two guys, that's a top ten one two punch in Major League Baseball, no? Yeah, right. Like, and people don't give people do not give Japan the MPB enough credit. Like KFC Barso, I think the worst take he had was that he said that Japan doesn't have a professional league. The MPB is really fucking good. Like, MPB is the second best league in the world. It's better than but, AAA. It's you, better you than college baseball. Yeah. It's better than Double A. It's better like you, it's. You can't just put, like, I don't know, Greg Allen in the NPB and think he's going to go out there and dominate. I don't know if he's going to start full-time in the NPB. Um, I don't think he would. Um, and then the pitching, man, it's just they got arms, bro. I know, obviously, this is a Japanese all-star team, so it's not like every bullpen they have has, you know, a guy throwing 95 with a crazy splitter. But they have a lot of guys who can. Um, and I think that this is a great way to display a lot of international kind of, like, really good talent internationally that aren't major league household names. Um, and I think this tournament was a great way to do that. And I, I cannot wait for 2026. I cannot wait. Yeah. I think the next tournament will be more fun. Cause I think the, the fact that everybody got so like invested in this will make more players want to play. And I think that's the main problem we've seen here is like compared to other, you know, sports and their tournaments like this, like if you watch Olympic basketball, um, you know, the U.S. team, LeBron's playing and Damian Lillard's playing and, you know, S- Stephen Curry's playing. And, you know, like if you look at the dream team, but like we've never really seen that full, fully come together for the U.S. for the World Baseball Classic. But it has fully come together for other countries. The Dominican Republic had the like their best talent in the world, you know, give or take a few guys like Jose Ramirez didn't play. I know um, class A didn't play, man. but if we're looking at it from like a, a a like a bigger perspective, don't nitpick singular names. We didn't get to see the best team that the U.S. could have put out there, and it's not. And I understand why a guy like Max Scherzer, or Justin Verlander wouldn't play because they're thirty eight years old and they're worried, you know, like about their injuries. But is there any reason why a guy like Corbin Burns isn't out there? 
or or like uh, even like getting um how do you even like I'm just trying to think of like a roundabout top thirty starter. Like even if you had one extra top thirty starter alongside, like Lynn, I think Lynn, I think is a perfect example of like a good enough pitcher to represent the U.S. in the World Baseball Classic. And you're not like, oh, we've only had, you know what I mean? Um, right. Like Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn was by far the best pitcher right. on that staff, and I know that Nestor Cortez and and um, Clayton Kershaw were both Holy supposed Kershaw. to play. Oh, Andy Evaldi. Yeah, that's three. Three. That would have been a really supposed... good. That would have been more than fine as a rotation. Yeah, then like that's respectable. It's not. It's not Darvish, Sasaki, and Otani, but it's respectable. I think they and win Yamamoto. Today. I think they win today if they had that. I I really don't think so. The 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 pitching like my dad and I were talking about this when we were watching the game. The pitching was not the problem. The U.S. did not lose because they couldn't pitch today. The U.S. lost because they couldn't hit today. They lost three to two. You give up three runs That's in a game. Fair. You're you're not saying like, oh, we should have pitched better. You're saying, oh, we should have hit better. No, right? you're not wrong. And by the way, Otani throwing a hundred miles per hour right past Trout twice was fucking sick. He threw it right down the middle. He's like, hit it, and then he couldn't. Trying to confirm that this is true, but because I was when you watch the game, it looks like his fastball is cutting. Um, so it might be possible that he was throwing a one hundred mile an hour cutter. Which I want to confirm on like Statcast that the pitch movement lines up with that like visual, like what I saw, uh, because my eye test is. I mean, I'm, I I wear glasses and I wasn't wearing glasses with this game. Um, let's see. Uh, wow, this is taking abnormally long. Um, yeah, because he was throwing fucking gas today. Uh, no, okay, he did not throw a single fastball with any cut, but it just it was close to the zero line of horizontal movement. But still, he was—I mean, he was actually getting a lot of backspin. I don't know. He like, does Otani, throw a cutter. Otani yeah, he does. does. But I, I thought he was—I thought maybe like when his fastballs were cutting, he had one fastball exactly on the zero line at zero horizontal movement, which would profile a little bit like a cutter. But um, the thing that was impressive to me was he was throwing sweepers in the mid '80s, and he was also getting fully behind his fastball. Like he threw a fastball just ten inches of vertical drop, which. Most people like Otani changed, like learned to sinker because his four seam fastball isn't supposed to be very good, uh, because of the like it's 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 a dead zone fastball. Um, I mean throwing a sweeper at eighty eight point seven miles an hour is fucking ridiculous. I think that fast that last slider he threw to Mike Trout might be the best slider like you could possibly throw in that count. Um, it was a eighty seven mile. Oh yeah, slider. it was it was sixteen inches of sweep, perfectly placed. Uh, and you know it looked like. I know John Smoltz is, like, not, like, I don't like John Smoltz, but I think he was right in the sense of, like, oh, Tony was just going out there and, like, I'm going to just throw as fucking hard as possible. And that's he what did. I'm going to do. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Like, he just went out the ball. I was like, I'm just going to throw as hard as possible. I don't care where is it. Like, he threw two fastballs right down the middle of the Mike Trout. Right down the middle. You That is definitely not where he wanted those fastballs to go. But he's showing Otani. He's throwing him 100 miles an hour with pretty good backspin. Like, who cares? It's, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. That's He's... He's just awesome, man. Uh, that that entire tournament that 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 was like the perfect way for the tournament to end. Or even uh, I guess the only other way would have been more perfect is if it was like two two and Mike Trout walked it off or something. But that wasn't possible because it was the top of the ninth and it was a three two game. So yeah, or if Mookie Betts didn't completely. Yeah, Mookie fucking Betts had probably like the worst at bat you could have had there. <laughs> just just strike out, man. <laughs> just strike out, dude. Um, that's a, we should. I feel like that's like a, a saying we should normalize. Like don't ground to double play. Just strike out, man. You know, just just take your strike out, you know. Um, but what a tournament, dude. I don't think there's much else I have to say about it, but that tournament was special. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think we can wrap it up there. 
yeah um if you guys like our content make sure to give us a, a good rating um and to follow us on our twitter on our instagram um thank you guys so much for supporting us we'll see you guys in episode 88 peace out for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.